trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Are bestsellers all they're hyped up to be? The Terrible Book Club explores whether or not you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. If you've ever seen a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Welcome to episode 62 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Chris, and this is Paris. Hello. This time we came back, Paris. We're, we're back again to the land that we left so long ago. Thousands of years have passed in the day or two that we've been... No, it's been longer than that, I think. How long yeah. has it been? Yeah, wait. Um, it's been four years since we read the original uh, Maradonia book, book one. It was Maradonia and the Seven Bridges. Um and so four years later, we've we've gone back into the cave and touched the mermaid statue and fallen into this fucking nightmare world. <laughs> it's like Narnia, but way worse. It's like Narnia, Lord of the Rings. It's everything. Yeah. So this is it's kind of complicated to explain. So we're reading book two. Um, Maradonia mark. And the escape from the underworld. Yeah, but there's a bit of a question mark because when this was initially released, um, Maradonia and the Seven Bridges was actually Maradonia and the Seven Bridges and the escape from the underworld. They basically put out one book and then decided, you know what, we want to make more money. So they split it into two. I believe and- the original edition. Yeah. When did the ebooks come out? Because that's the one oh, we read last time. And I that's why know. we only got half of this printed version that we read this time. Right. So we got we got, you know, the redacted first edition, first book or the sorry. Oh, Jesus Christ. This is so. So they put out a print book. Then they cut it in half and said it was two books trying to basically say that, you know, oh, Gloria wrote another book, but it was just the first book, but the latter half of it. Um, and then when they released the ebooks, they were released separately. Um, but yeah, we have a print edition. Um, this one's pretty. Oh, oh, this one is signed. I didn't realize that. Oh, so that's that's amazing. <laughs> As Both of, this of the recording, copies. I've also read Maradona and the Gold of Ophir, which I found had an autograph from the author here. Perhaps we should say who the author is in case you forgot who brought us, or if this even really is the author, which is another point oh, of yeah. confusion for us. Yeah, so these books are by Gloria Tesh, uh, or maybe her dad, Jerry Tesh, R.I.P. Daddy Tesh, uh, or maybe Marina Turkolova Tesh. Uh, we don't really know. Uh, the My sense is that Jerry uh, is the one who really wrote this, um, and not really Gloria, but I'll get to that in a bit. But yeah, uh, I have a copy. That was signed by Gloria on March 5th, 2009, and it is to Jeff. So thanks, Jeff, for sending this to us, uh, or whoever ended up with it after Jeff. I don't really know. The one, the Gold of Ophir copy I have is signed to Josh, 
in 2010. So <laughs> I'm wondering if she just signed generic first names and years into these. <laughs> you know, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I will say this family. So we, we got pulled into this. I don't even know how like why we read the first one i have no idea how we found it um but there are a lot of people on the internet who are pretty invested in digging into this family and and you know all the crazy stories around it i mean the kind of the gist of it is that uh the tesh family so gloria tesh her mother marina turkolova and her dad gunter gerhard jerry tesh uh kind of they got real carried away with a school assignment that apparently was assigned to Gloria when she was in sixth grade or something. She had to write a story and apparently she did that. And then, um, the parents just went ham. They just went all in. Like they (laughs) They just were like, they were like, all right, this is going to be the next, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings, the next Chronicles of Narnia, the next, you know, golden compass. I don't know. They thought they, did so i mean they it seems like they poured all of their money into maradonia and gloria's career um and there was also a lot of like lying and fabrication involved which made the whole saga and the tesh family pretty notable and that's kind of what um stirred up the trolls on the internet uh and yeah i i so i think that a lot of the uh a lot of the criticism that the family gets as well deserved given all the shit that they did i mean they went so far as to like create fake commercials, fake interviews, fake fans, uh, fake reviews. They they blatantly lied about Gloria being the world's youngest author. I mean, that's it's pretty easy to fact check that as being false. You know, they said she was oh the valedictorian of her class, but she was homeschooled. So like, yeah, technically, <laughs> oh, you I know, that yeah, yeah. So it's just a lot of weird lying, like unnecessary lying. And then there's like there's another layer to this where. Uh, Jerry Tesh, who has actually since passed, uh, I believe he died last year. Um, he, there's some, there's some, uh, talk about him actually having been one of those, um, what do you call them? The, like, not, maybe not evangelical, but one of those preachers who would scam people out of money in Germany, and that's why he ended up in the U.S. So, uh, yeah, he basically... Is you know he was a super super into Christianity and there are some claims about him defrauding a bunch of people out of money and so the theory is that that's how the family had all this wealth is because he defrauded people with some weird like Christianity scam but I don't have a whole lot of information on that uh you know I it's whatever it, part of, we read books we talk about the books I, I'm not investigating someone's crazy dead dad um. And so there's that. Uh, they also made a movie, which if you are one of our patrons, you can tune in to watch with us. <laughs> that was one of the, my favorite uh, patron things. Yeah, that we've we've done because that was that was a trip. That that was most certainly not. Despite the fact that there was clearly some money behind it, it wasn't enough. Yeah, I mean, and then and then there's like so the movie is just unspeakably weird and bad uh but then there's you know just like with the parents there's also another layer where uh a lot of people who worked on the movie who were hired like all these actors came out of the woodwork after the movie was done saying hey i never got paid for this (laughs) so 
Um, Yikes. Yeah, so there's there's a lot going on here, and um, I think that's just why so many people are drawn to the story of Gloria Tesh and the Tesh family in Maradonia. Um, so right as her father died, she married, um, you know, arguably another scam artist, uh, some real estate developer guy <laughs> uh, named he Alex. Can you make it perfectly legitimate buildings? I mean, maybe, but like, <laughs> I don't know. Um yeah, so now her name is Gloria Tesh Sarakan or Sarakan or whatever. Uh and it seems like all she really does is just take vacations. Uh so I don't <laughs> professional vacation. Yeah, yeah. And now she's, you know, she's gone through uh kind of these weird series cycles of um uh ventures, you know, like so first it was Maradonia and then it was what was after that? Was that the the energy necklaces? Was that the there first was a phase? Mermaid period? There was a mermaid period with mermaid jewelry. Now she's doing dresses and bikinis and still some jewelry and some mermaid themed makeup brushes or something. She just has some new fucking bullshit every couple years, and it seems like you know now that the dad is dead, she's married to a rich dude, so. Things are just going to keep continuing this way. She had a short-lived uh, fake rapping career. I don't know. I think she just paid some dudes for some beats and then made some weird videos, uh, which, you know, in honor of the month of Maradonia, we will be watching and commenting over over on the Patreon. So once again, you want more Maradonia content, head over there. Um, what else? Oh, yeah, I, I think she... I mean, she's a model. I think that's the thing she actually does. She models and goes on vacations, which... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a life, I hey, guess. Hey, if, if you could make that living that way, more power to you, I suppose. Like, yeah. I'm not here to criticize someone's career choice. Unless you're actively trying to sell this book, which would be a bad career well, choice. Well, and that's, I mean, that is kind of, I mean, she's still, uh, you know, in any bios you read about her, any summaries, it still mentions Maradonia. She's still out there saying she was the you, youngest child, youngest author. And I'm like, you, lady, like we've been over do this. You, do you think her husband has read these books? I, I don't know. I probably not. Think? I'm going to say no. But Why it's her like creative them? output. Like, wouldn't you read your spouse's like creative output? Just no. to find out who they are, maybe? Even if it, I, when they were, it was... Written as when they were a kid? This looks like, I mean, the marriage kind of looks like a, you know, uh, an 18th century marriage where it was like, all right, got to combine these families or, you know, like, <laughs> it doesn't really they seem... They could also like each other and want to combine the families. Yeah, sure. But, like, what are the chances of that? Like, I don't... I, I, don't I You know, so. I don't know what goes on up there in those circles. I can't tell you for sure. So who knows? I don't know. Um, before we get started, I want to make the point here that usually on Terrible Book Club, we're not going after child writers for the most part because they're kids. They're just getting started. If any child wrote actually wrote anything of this length, that's pretty much an accomplishment, I got to say. I work with kids, teaching them music all the time, and if I was laughing at them every time they made bad music, they wouldn't get very far, and I wouldn't be a very good teacher. The The... Crux of this is the fact that I do think that the parents had more to do with this writing than they want to let on. Oh, absolutely. Because, you can tell. Gloria seems to be just sort of like this weird prop centerpiece in the whole thing. Like yep. She was so young when she wrote it and everything. And even beyond that, the fact that they, she continues to bring it up as if it's this massive step forward in fantasy literature, which it is not. Yeah, so... 
you know, she hasn't been a child for many years now. So again, yeah, we're not we're not attacking a child author. Um, that's, that's not a thing we do. Uh, I think that, yeah, as Chris pointed out, it's fairly obvious that the dad wrote this. I mean, I, I think that the father wrote it based on all of the uh, German words integrated into the text based on how the phrasing in it is phrased. Um, so, so, you know, when a child is learning a language, they might, um, they might, they're not going to speak perfect, you know, uh, conventional English, but that differs pretty starkly from someone whose second language is English. And this book is written in that style, in the latter, in the style of somebody whose first language is not English. So not a child learning English, but an adult who has already, you know, has like an established linguistic background. And I say that because of the syntax issues, um, and the use of words that are like near synonyms, but have the totally wrong sense. And so an, a native English speaker would like never use that, you know, and I'm not, and I'm not saying I'm not, you know, don't take this as me saying like, Ooh, fuck people who learn English. Like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that it's factual evidence to support my claim that Jerry Tesh is the primary author here and not Gloria. Gloria seems to be able to construct sentences on social media, so like I don't yeah. think I don't. I, think I mean, that she wrote I bet this. Gloria had a lot to do with like naming things. Yeah, I think when she was a little kid, you know, if this all started with a a story when she was in elementary school, sure, I'm sure she came up with some of the. Con- I'm, sure, I'm sure she was like, yeah, mermaids and unicorns, but then like her mom has a mermaid and unicorn thing too, so it's really hard to distinguish like what of this was what really originated in a child's mind and what came from the parents. Cause it kind I don't know. I, I would go so far as to say that. Yeah. Gloria had about as little to do with this as, uh, the, about know, the author imagine. part of the print editions do Gloria does say, Oh, this is definitely a family endeavor here. So maybe it was just all of them kind of equally sharing the load here. I don't know we can't think... say for sure but you're right that a lot of the way that this is written reads more like someone who doesn't have an amazing grasp of the english language and that's maybe why it's very shallow and upfront. there's not much depth to anything here because if you don't have great control control of a language you're not going to be able to express deeper concepts as easily yeah and you're also not going to be able to convey nuance you know it's just going to be like blunt force trauma a lot of the time which is how this book uh reads so um uh, we've kind of want, we've gone yeah, on a you bit. Want to get into it here. Um I guess if you want to if you want to know about the first book, listen to episode 11 of the Terrible Book Club. Um Oh yeah, and I don't I don't I think I missed talking about this at the beginning, but uh this episode is for our loyal loyal longtime listener Bobby Kennedy. Um he actually saved that very episode, um episode 11 of Terrible Book Club when we had actually accidentally deleted our whole back catalog. Don't say ago. we, that was me. That I when did Chris, that. When Chris when <laughs> Chris purposely deleted, I wasn't sure how much I could say on air. Um so Chris trashed the TBC back catalog, not realizing all of what he had were the only copies. So uh, we lost a bunch of our original episodes, but Bobby uh, saved episode 11 and we were able to re-upload it. So uh, I think he's I think he's also the one that put it up on YouTube, you know, outside of our channel. He, he put it up himself on his own. So, uh, yeah. So hearty thanks to you, Bobby. Uh, 
it's really great to have some of those original episodes around. Um, and, you know, I know that you asked us to keep reading these books a long time ago. It took us like four years, but here we are. So thank one's you. One's for you, I suppose. One's for you. It is. Um, yeah. So in the first book, I mean, the gist of it is that these two teenagers live in Florida uh, with, you know, with their family. They they just like just moved to a new area or something. Um some high school drama shit unfolds and they they decide they're going to go for like a walk and explore the new neighborhood they live in you know up till now this is fine um conceptually not in terms of writing the right the book <laughs> itself is unreadable but like conceptually um they go to this beach and everyone's like oh don't go to this part of the beach it's dangerous and they're like yeah we're gonna go to that part we're teenagers yeah and they go they get they go into a cave they touch a mermaid statue, which trips the, I don't know, the trap door to a fucking other dimension that they fall into called Maradonia. And of course, when they land there, they're heroes. Some, they're the heroes foretold, um, you know, the in encouragers. The, the encouragers, <laughs> actually. You know, a the really hero. Good name for some heroes. Yeah, the heroes foretold, you know, by the legends, um, you know, typical fantasy stuff. And they encounter all kinds of weird creatures, you know, um, like giant cow eagles with a bunch of eyes, I forget. Um, <laughs> yep. They, you know, a bunch of unicorns and mermaids. At the, I guess that's at the end, though. Um, and they're up against the, what is it, the Council of Evil or something? Empire the of Empire Evil. Empire of Evil, of course. Um, and that's just a bunch of demons, I guess, demon king lord dudes who want to take king over Maradona. Apollyon, yep, his, his sons, also King Abaddon, and, and other also kings. King Flu- Pluton, and and there's like five kings. Let it's, me tell you, the t- the king title gets thrown around a whole lot in Maradonia. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's like, and they're they're the rulers of. I forget what their world is called. It's not Maradonia. It's like... Terra Millie. Terra Millie. Thank you. They're the rulers of Terra Millie, the evil kingdom, and Maradonia is the good kingdom. And their king is King Astrodolus, or Astrodolus. I, I don't remember how they said it in the movie. So there's a lot of kings with A's, and it gets real confusing. Um... But you don't need to worry about that. So, so they're you know there's there's also some evil witches. They they try to kill the teenagers Maya and Joey, the main characters. Um, Supposedly are... they go through seven tests, which are the seven bridges. But I can't tell you what all those were. Nope. I think one of them involved a snake. One of them involved a grill and having faith and not dying. Yeah. So and the, and of course the teenagers Maya and Joey, the main characters, the encouragers here, they get through all of these trials by their faith in God essentially so it's very it's very like christian fueled thing um and there's all these little weird aphorisms like sprinkled throughout the text some of them make sense some of them don't most of them don't and so at this point um they yeah they escaped from the evil people oh there's like there's like they're also working with like some armies and generals and stuff to build up forces to be able to repel the the evil dudes from invading um, at this point, we've left the last scene in the first book, I think, was like the Council of the Evil Empire talking about like, yeah, we're going to get them next time. Yeah, oh, we're evil or whatever. Um, and so the second book that we read for this episode just kind of starts at Dwayne's Gate. I don't yeah. know <laughs> what that is. <laughs> It's, it, I, there's so many like names. Oh, the, so the, many that's names. about as deep as the lore goes. I would say in Maradonia, at least in this book, um, 
it's just a lot of names being thrown at you that don't really matter, and they're super random. They don't have any cohesiveness. Like, you have Maradonia, Tara Millie, and the city of Salinka, and then Dwayne's Gate. Yeah, and and another hallmark of the Maradonia series is that there are, um, there are like, unnecessary quotations often, and not um, quotations around uh, often place names. Um, and there are also, there's also random... Uh, italicized words all over the place again without any real reason. I think that's every time they're trying to teach you a lesson. No, but usually they... it's some aphorism about like you must have faith or you will not succeed or uh, something like just some really shitty thing that sold as deep wisdom, but it's really just some aphorism or saying that you might have heard before, but like mangled through Google Translate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but also, I mean, in addition, so in addition to place, a lot of the place names having quotations. Some of the place names are also italicized and have quotations. And then there are a bunch of parts that start off with "and so it was," and that's, that's always just an italicized. absolutely random. There's yeah. there's no, it's, no there's no cohesiveness or consistency <laughs> to when "and so it was" appears. It's not like that's a time passing thing because that'll get dropped and then it'll be like the next second before it says "and so it was." Yeah. So um, I don't understand what the dividing line for using that was. Yeah, and the and um of course, you know, Gloria's mom, uh Marina did all the illustrations and it's really strange how the illustrations flip and flop from like, wow, that's pretty good to like, what the fuck is this? I don't I don't know if she if she I mean, she had to have drawn these with the book in mind, like with intention. I don't think she just like picked some of these from her back catalog oh absolutely not no there's like specific drawings of specific things to the text yeah uh so anyway uh maya and joey are gonna free the mermaids and unicorns because for some like the whole plot of this second book here is that uh the evil king has a mermaid and unicorn theme park in his castle Listen, okay. That's also listen. a prison, which is <laughs> any theme park, if you ask me. Yeah, but... true. But back up. Supposedly, the evil castle, Empire's castle is, like, in a glacier at the top of a mountain. It's supposed to be an ice castle. Um, And I, why do you have a water park in the middle of your evil castle? It's referred to specifically as a water park, so I took it as a theme park. But yeah. you, I think you thought differently at first. Well, I think it's supposed to just be an aquatic prison, right? It's just supposed to be like a giant fish tank for mermaids. But how how big exactly is it? It's Paris? pretty fucking big. He's got several mermaids in there. I it's I don't like know. most of the castle, right? Like it's a very large part of it. I mean, the castle is also supposed to be you know have huge fantastical proportions. So who knows? But yeah, I remember in the in the first book and right at the beginning of this text, they talk about it. As being this icy place, and there's even a, a point where Maya and Joey like, oh, we were slipping on our sneakers trying to scale the glacier, and I'm like, what are you doing wearing fucking sneakers on a glacier? But anyway, um, but then when we get inside, they're talking about how it's made of fire. I I was unclear about. What I think was going there was a separate that. part because the fireplace part was where they kept the key to the underworld, which is sort of the centerpiece MacGuffin of this whole adventure eventually. Oh, right. But let's stick to the th the mermaid theme park in the middle of the evil castle here. <laughs> yeah. So there's the mermaid, the giant mermaid fish tank that the evil king keeps because I, I don't know, I guess he just likes having He's evil, but mermaids. he really loves mermaids and unicorns as evil 
Overlord's will. Yeah, and he also has a um, yeah, and the unicorns are stored in the basement. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> but let's talk about this part too. So the unicorns are stored in a cave that is also ground level because I guess the castle is way up high. Uh, can we talk first? Hold on. <laughs> we forgot to talk about the Tarn Caps, Paris. Which no, no, no. Is how... that, that's like involved in all of this. Um, yeah, so they have these invisibility hats, you know, things from German folklore that they use to get around undetected. And this so suddenly when they put them on they now also don't have any mass or like less mass they can jump really high like gravity doesn't affect them because when you're invisible gravity doesn't it gravity can't see you so it doesn't work <laughs> yeah i was really confused because that it wasn't they didn't have that convention in the first book so i i i don't understand it like if even if mass is in even if something is invisible, it still has mass. Like, I don't... Well, like I right? said, if gravity can't see you, um, then you don't have mass, right? That's that's how science works. Oh, uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So that's... The Tarn Caps, by the thing. way, are like a huge portion of the rest of this series, I think, because every fucking conversation from here on out that takes place between two bad guys trying to keep a secret, and they're just openly plotting with their, with their <laughs> mouths talking loud... Maya or Joey or someone is next to them with a tarn cap on, and they are completely undetected, and they get to know everything that happens. Yeah, that makes sense. That's um, how every... There's no background plotting that they're actually unaware of. They will always know what's about to happen. There's No one ever gets to have a conversation in secret without Maya and Joey hearing. Yep. Uh, yeah, there's also these, like, the weird... Uh, some other things that they added were these crows. Um, and there's Birth of the Crow, and... She gets fucking, like, man-crow-splained by the other crows or whatever. Uh, there's this evil crow who gets, like, shit-talked by her crow friends or whatever. And I just She's didn't... convinced because she detects some weird... She knows something's wrong, and she keeps flying around the castle looking for intruders or something. And she goes, well, maybe I'm hallucinating and hearing things or seeing things. I better fly around the castle again. Oh, wow, I just got done flying around the castle. I think maybe I was hallucinating and seeing things. I should fly around the castle again. <laughs> yeah, and she she's supposed to just be, you know, like uh, a, a guardian of the castle, you know, like a, a watch crow. But then they talk about her having her own bedroom. So I was like, wait, isn't this a crow? Like, why does the crow have its own bedroom? I'm pretty confused about that. She's that big weird. Bertha. So maybe she's too big for maybe it's a like a pretty big crow. Yeah, maybe it's a human sized crow. I don't know. Um, Chris, did you ever did you ever figure out why Captain Armstrong was hearing with his sword? Hearing okay. with his sword? <laughs> okay. Anyone know? So uh, after when uh, Maya and Joey head to the evil castle, they go on their own using the Tarn caps because they can cover more distance with their low gravity cheat caps on. They can just jump all the way to the castle and break in by jumping over the... No, they didn't even jump over the walls. They just snuck in when someone had the door open. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but then they jumped over the other walls. So I don't know that it's really not loose on how, exactly how high they can jump or whatever. Right. But anyway, so they, they originally went with this contingent of generals and captains from the Maradonia army. And Captain Armstrong was one of these guys. And he sticks around at Dwayne's gate to wait for Maya and Joey to come back with all the unicorns and mermaids. And he, this is way later, I think, when they're trying to come back, right? There's like a bunch of things that happen before he sticks his sword in the ground to try to listen for threats. 
No, this is this is early. You made the note pretty early in the doc, so I'm assuming it was okay. earlier. Yeah. It's immaterial anyway. I yeah. forgot. Like he just there's a scene where Captain Armstrong is like waiting for Maya and Joey. He's convinced they're not going to come back yep. because they leave without telling him that they can turn invisible. They want to keep that secret for uh, some reason. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why they wanted to keep that secret from Captain Armstrong. They're just paranoid about everyone around them, I suppose. But he's very concerned about them. He's convinced they're not going to be able to break in and come back. So he attempts to listen for threats through the ground with his sword. Is it supposed to be like an earthquake detector? Yeah, I think I think maybe they're trying to say that he's um, trying to sense vibrations, perhaps. You know, but I I don't know if that like he was is expecting valid. Maya and Joey to come running back, and he could feel they're running through the ground. I think he was sensing threats as in of herd of horses, you know, horses running because that would produce. Okay, I, yeah, I guess if they're coming back with the unicorns, which yeah. he, he knew was the mission. So Right. I, I, anyway, uh, right, right in this area of the book, there's actually a great example of one of those weird aphorisms we were talking about that kind of just make no sense. Uh, this one was my favorite, so I wrote it down. <laughs> Dreams are the touchstone of our character, and we are the touchstones of your dreams. Which sounds like someone just let a neural network digest Hallmark cards. Like, I don't know. Like, that it doesn't a, make any honestly, sense. Honestly, Paris, you could probably, like, randomly open to a page in the book right now and within five pages, minimally, see another one of these. All right, I let's, fucking let's play this game. Just roll the dice here. Oh, just, my God, you... I opened a page and there was one on it. All right, hit me. Hit me with a, a piece of Maradonia wisdom. Man needs to struggle and face hardship in this world in order to be strong, energetic, intelligent, and victorious in the battle against darkness. Okay. Well, that's a lot of nothing. Also, <laughs> holy shit, that was page 666. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Satan's guiding us this time. Roll the dice again. Hit me uh, again. All right, all right. Let me... Uh, what do we got? Uh... Oh, damn it. I thought that was one, but it was just a uh, speech that was randomly italicized. I was tricked. That counts. No, that counts. The, the randomly italicized speech? I thought we were going for aphorisms. I think most of the speeches are at long-form aphorisms. No, no, no. No, I meant I meant speech as in a character speaking, not not like a not a Yeah, no. What, just hit me with what's italicized here. I bet it's stupid anyway. <laughs> This bottle looks like the bottle which fell out of the pocket of Commander Justin when he died. <laughs> okay, is, well, so that's, that's, you're right. Not what we were looking for, but yeah, anyway. But uh, again, so you can see how random and in inconsistent the italicization, is that a word? Yeah. Italicizing? Yeah, italicizing. Um, anyway, yeah, so so the book is just full of a bunch of weird things like that. Um, you made a note about a swing word, and I was wondering if you... I, that no, this is all. like this is I think unique to Maradonia. At some point, a character mentions having a powerful swing word, which is I just guessed a weird way to say a magic word, oh, which has some okay. kind of magic power. Huh. All right. That's that's the okay. So once again, I read the Gold of Ophir already. I've I've way deeper into the Maradonia lore than you are right now, Paris. Chris possesses they, such knowledge. They bring up swing words again. Oh no. And, and it's it's totally random and inconsistent surprise, but it seems to be specific magic words or aphor even some of these aphorisms will might turn out to be magic. Oh, but not in a consistent way at all. Um 
Yeah, and so they so anyway, they break into the castle to free the mermaids and unicorns, and of course, they're able to do this by using their invisibility hats, the tarn caps. Um, there's some weird stuff that happens though. So the text addresses the difficulty of having to carry the mermaids like over the retainer wall of their enclosure because they have fins, you know, they have half fish bodies, they can't walk. Um, and then they, they, they're like, oh, yeah, and then we had to sl- have them slide down the railings to get down the stairs to the unicorn basement. And then they talk about <laughs> how they to have talk to about actually... exactly where the unicorns are still. Oh, yeah. And then they talk about how they have to actually place them on the unicorns for the ride home. But there are all these parts in between those those three things where it's like, how the fuck are the mermaids getting around? Are they just doing, like, the worm on the ground? Are they just doing the seal wiggle? Like, they they don't address how... They're not completely underwater all the time. No, no, no. They're not underwater at all when they take yeah. them out of the, re- you know, out of their enclosure, out of their, yes. like, water park prison. I'm, yeah. I don't understand. And it's not like there's just one or two that they could help, like, hop move, hop along. There are several of them, right? They, there's, like, they, yeah, they must ten be of them flopping down. Okay, so listen. The They're unicorns... doing the worm, Chris. They're doing the yeah, worm. Listen, That's what say, I'm thinking. To explain this a little bit better, we need to tell everyone where the unicorns are. Turns out the unicorns are next door to hell. There's literally, okay, so... You know, that's where you keep unicorns, right next door to hell. When Joey's invisible, one of these, when he's trying to figure out how to get the mermaids out of the enclosure, and he's sitting on top of the retainer wall where the mermaids are, and he spies King Apollyon going into a separate area that he has, like, a bird's eye view on. I guess it doesn't have a roof. And there's a fire, big fire in the middle of it. King Apollyon reaches in, brings out a weird object. It's glowing. Obviously, it's a magic special item. Guess what? It's the key to the underworld because King Apollyon walks over to a door that's near the fireplace, uses the key to the underworld to open the door, and proceeds to disappear. Joey comes back later in his invisible state, and he just believes hard enough that the fire won't hurt him so he can grab the key to the underworld out of the fire, which I guess King Apollyon just leaves his super important key to the underworld lying around out of his sight a lot of the time, and he's very upset when Joey takes it, because spoiler alert, Joey just reaches into the fire with his faith powers and grabs it and opens the door, and then he goes down a set of 666 stairs that lead to a bunch of other doors. <laughs> One of those doors has hell behind it. Yep, just hell, just chilling. There's a bunch of people in a lava pit screaming for a drop of water, and then Joey just, like, walks away. He's like, that sucks, and he, like, closes the door. <laughs> He's like, oh, sucks for you. <laughs> and it's like, I wish I could, I can't do anything about that. You guys are, are fucked. And then he opens another door, and there's a cave there where the unicorn stables are, because you keep your unicorns in caves? Because yeah. that's where they are? That's where you put stables, you know, in a cave next and to so- hell. It's the only real the- estate that was affordable. <laughs> Maradonia, we're getting priced out of Terra like, they... <laughs> Well, if you if you were wondering where hell is, it's just downstairs. That, that's <laughs> yeah, really the important part. There we go. And so uh, that's why the mermaids the, the mermaids have to accompany them down these stairs. And it's not like they have the unicorns to hold the mermaids on. Well, no, they so said they that, have to be like flopping or like rolling down the stairs. No, 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 no. I talked. I said that they address the stair part. They have them slide down the banisters. Oh, I thought there weren't any banisters. They specifically say they have them slide down the railings on the oh. stairs. But, but I'm like talking just... about between, you know, in between the enclosure, the stairs, and 
getting on the unicorns. I mean, there's a whole lot of walking that they're doing. And <laughs> I'm right. like, I don't know. I, like I said, they're doing they're doing the worm, the seal wiggle, like how seals move on land. That must be how mermaids move on land. Yeah. Or just dragging themselves forward with their arms, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's actually Either way, horrifying. it sounds terrible. It sounds not fun. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And then the, the big evil snake... The evil trickster snake from the first book just gets fucking trampled to death in like three sentences. There's a throwaway chapter. It's like chapter 65 or 66. 66 it's literally yeah. like two or three pages long. Yeah. And it's just about, hey, remember that snake from the first book that tried to trick them? Well, it gets trampled by the unicorn herd when they break the unicorns out. So, so that's that, that there's no other reason for that snake to be there. No. And it's not like, you know, it's not like we get a Lion King situation where we have a, a surprise stampede in a gorge like this is just in an open field. Like, I, I don't know. And so at this point, so they OK, they've rescued the mermaids. They've broken the unicorns out. They put the mermaids on the unicorns and they're like, all right, go. <laughs> and the unicorns run the mermaids back to their lagoon. And there's there's actually a little line I just want to talk about real quick. So. Um, Maya and Joey say, oh, we will help you get back on the unicorns if you slip. Five sentences later, if you slip and fall down from the unicorn, you are dead. <laughs> I was like, which is it? Are you helping them? Are they Can dead? We, I, I want to mention that, like, you might be asking, hey, wait a minute. If they just ran out of a cave onto, like, the ground level away from their stables, why didn't they do that before? Turns out there was some huge, like, enormously huge miles-long boulder yeah. that was blocking the ground level exit to the cave with just, like, a piece of wood or something. And yeah, they one of the unicorns the just stomps it hard enough that it then rolls away and they can escape. And I'm like, why didn't you just do that before? Yeah, the unicorns seem to be, like, sentient and intelligent. So it is weird to me that they get themselves, yeah, trapped and kidnapped and stuff. I, they don't even describe how they were kidnapped in the first place. At least not that I remember. Um. So anyway, so they, like, you know, they put a mermaid on a unicorn and slap the unicorn's ass and, yeah, <laughs> take them back to the lagoon. They do that. Um, and then they, there's a fun scene where like right before, uh, Maya and Joey arrive with the unicorn herd, um, one of the captains of Maradonia, Captain Gorin, just a, just a random guy that he has no bearing on the rest of the story. No, they just no, decide no. to give him a scene where there's a wolf attack on him. And the, the way the wolves begin the attack, Captain Gorin is like surrounded by them and he's got his spear out. And the first wolf is like, all right, I got this, and jumps directly into the spear. <laughs> it's written that way in the text. It's not like it yeah, says Gorin right. positioned right. it at the last second. It says the wolf jumps into the spear. And just dies. It just gores itself on the spear. Like, why, why would it do why? that? So, yeah, so they get back to the camp uh, with their little army. With apparently, apparently there are 2,000 unicorns that they have rescued from this cave. And your a lot of watchmen unicorns. crows aren't seeing any of that. Somehow. Yeah, somehow they just totally missed those 2,000 unicorns galloping across the plain. Um, and I also, like, we're pretty unclear as to how many mermaids there were. I mean, I don't think there was, like, a mermaid for every unicorn. That seems like a lot. Uh, I don't I don't think the theme park, the water theme park prison could have held 2,000 mermaids, but... I think King Apollyon had, like, a good amount of all of the mermaids in Maradonia or something. Because they yeah. were spoken about it like, as if they were rare outside of King Apollyon's castle. Right. And he likes them because he has all of them. And they're powerful for some reason, but it's unclear at the moment. Right. Um, 
so then after the wolf attack and they get back with, you know, the mermaids and the unicorns, uh, all of a sudden Maya can read thoughts. That just gets thrown in there for some reason. And she doesn't really do it much ever again. She just nope. randomly knows someone's intentions. Yep. Oh, and then there's a just a just a real quick, just you know, just to cover all of our bases, there's just a flying saucer mention. Like there's a drawing and like Multiple. a few sentences where they're like, Flying saucers were parked behind the castle and I was like, When was this ever part what? I It I wasn't a part of the first book. No. It, it, they're just sticking that in. I and but then they never come back to it. I was like, What what the fuck? Why are there aliens? Like I I mean, I guess no. It's cool? it's their flying. It's their flying saucers. I it's I King don't know. Apollyon's flying saucers. No, because this was at the good castle, right? Or was no, 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 no. Do the flying saucers were behind the evil castle? Oh, I don't know because everyone is named King A something, so I can't <laughs> fucking keep track of King who is good, who is good, and who is evil. Um, so so yeah, let's talk. So they get this the key to the underworld from the fire, um, and Joey is the one who has possession of it, and. Um, you know, they're, they're like regrouping after this, you know, after they free everyone from the castle, they're regrouping with the generals and their troops and they're like, all right, what's our next move? And, you know, Joey, Joey's like, I'm going to see what this key's about. Seems pretty powerful. And, uh, Chris, you want to tell us what happens? <laughs> Joey is hanging out by himself. Uh, he, he breaks off from the group of unicorns and Maya and he looks at his shiny new key to the underworld and he can tell there's some kind of power behind it when, oh no, Big Bertha and her sisters have found him. Uh, and he just figures out that it's a laser gun because it has a button on it, which, I, you know, I guess flawless logic right there, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So he points it at the, the, the raven flock, I suppose, and shoots them with... Oh, yeah, big, with big BB and crew, Big Bertha and crew, right? Yeah, yeah. he shoots them. It, it, spoiler it, it is a laser gun. And it, like, fries some of the ravens on contact. He's just swinging it wildly. And so it, so wildly, in fact, that he catches the fire, uh, the forest in front of him completely on fire and burns the whole entire forest down in, like, Whoops. one swoop. Yep, whole forest. And he seems pretty pumped about it on the whole. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty psyched that he has this power to just destroy entire forests. And I was like, uh-oh, is there going to be some conflict? Like, are the, you know people in this area are going to be like you burned our whole fucking forest that was our livelihood but now everyone's like no no oh, one's do again that he just destroyed like a, a huge area of, of valuable resources lumber that they're gonna you know the captains or they're gonna be like Wait, you burn they should have been like you burned down a forest like we needed that for like stuff to like make wagons <laughs> and things yeah, yeah. firewood and buildings uh, what about all the animals in it you just fucking murdered not even a concern. No. It doesn't even mention Nope. It's fine. It's fine because the good guys did it, so it's fine. Um, and then they did, there's just a casual mention that their army contains two million troops. Or like, I think it was like two million people in the country willing to fight for it is how it's put. So maybe it's not trained oh, okay. soldiers. I thought I thought they were saying they had a two, uh, two million um It's very unclear. I, I can't tell you if it's trained people or not, but it's definitely... At some point, one of the generals drops to Maya and Joey that, hey, we're going to be ready for King Apollyon's attack on us because we've got two million people waiting to fight for Maradonia. And I, that's a shitload of people. Why are you yeah. so worried about <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Why do you need the encouragers? Right. I, I, maybe, maybe the encouragers encouraged them so hard that two million people were willing to fight. Maybe they encouraged those Like, people. literally everyone? Yeah, encourage the fuck out of them. 
I don't know. Because somehow everyone knows about Maya and Joey, even though this is a fantasy world without, like, the internet or telephones or anything other than bird communication. So I don't, I don't know. Well, in the last book, everyone was screaming Maya and Joey when they... That's true. They came to the city where King Astrodualis was after they did they did the seven tests or whatever. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, you know, I, just for some fun, let's divert from the plot a little bit to to examine some some just weirdness in the text. So I'm reading this book. Um. You know, struggling to stay awake. I fell asleep twice reading this book. By the way, um, it's not a hard read. The font is huge. It's not long, but there's not a lot there to dig into. Yeah, it's sometimes it's hard to just stay alert. Um, so there's this conversation that Maya and Joey have, and I'm going to read it to you because I want to know if you get the same sense that I got. All right, hit me, Joey. I've watched you over time, and I'm proud of you because you grew so much during this journey. You matured from the inside out, and now you have a better understanding of things. I'm asking myself sometimes, is this Joey who stands in front of me really my brother Joey from Oceanside, or is he somebody else? You have also changed, Maya. There are so many people around us who change their opinions, their jobs, their friends. Many of them even change their destiny, but they never even think about the possibility of changing themselves. Maya looked at her brother and said, I think, Joey, that you are very special. Why do you think so? I could say the same thing about you. Let me tell you something, Joey. Okay. Now comes again a strong word of wisdom from my big sis. And by the way, Maya, you are only one year older than me. Please, Joey, listen. I know that you're 14 years old, but it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. Just like it doesn't matter what size the bottle is. Cream always reaches the top. And then right after that passage, there is a drawing of a man and a woman making out. And I thought... I thought Maya and Joey were were gonna get together. Um, Sweet home Alabama. Like, but like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like that passage I read seemed like it was gonna end in them making out, and then the the image on the opposite page looks like those characters making out, and I was like, "Wow, this book just took a fucking turn." Holy <laughs> shit, what's happening? But apparently, no. The pe- the picture of the people on the other page making out are not Maya and Joey. It's like. These fucking throwaway characters that are inserted for no reason that we never have heard of before and don't hear of afterward. But yeah, like, what was up with that exchange they had? It seemed like it was... It just seemed really weird to me. It, it's... I mean, you know, they're trying to obviously be like, oh, we're bonding together on this trip as siblings, but there is... The, especially the way you read it there. Like, not gonna <laughs> <Yeah>. lie. <laughs> well, that, that's, how it, that's how it played out in my head, you know, while I was reading it. Especially when I turned the page, because that, that portion was, like, split up over two pages. When I turned the page for the, to read the latter half of the section, and then I saw that image on the opposite <laughs> side, I was like, oh, no! <laughs> I'll have to post this image so you can all see what I mean. Yeah. It's, but anyway, it's, it's like a lack of forethought in how you're organizing this, you know, and, and kind of the connotations of some of the things that you're writing, if you're not careful. Um, can you actually, since you have the book in front of you, go sure. over to page 618 for me and read about this execution scene? Uh, you got it. Um... There, there, this was uh, one of my favorite scenes for just, like, how flat and lifeless the dialogue is and, like, reactions to things happening on the whole are. Oh, yeah, you got it. Um, 
Abaddon snapped his fingers and four of his security officers came in. He commanded them to strip Oryk from all of his clothes and lay his clothes in front of him. Bring this traitor to the executioners! You cannot do this to me, King Abaddon! I came in good faith to you! I am loyal! I just wanted to help you to get into the city and save the lives of many! I know you! You were never interested in the lives of others. You were only interested in wine, women, and music, and in your own personal gain! The security officers stripped Oryk from all of his clothes and carried him, half-naked, directly to the executioner, who cut his head off with one single swing of his sword. The executioner looked at the headless body of Oryk and said, I assume that this man did not know that we don't keep prisoners. <laughs> like, like, just like a lame line there that doesn't even really make sense. Like, it, I... Yeah, and, and I love King, the way King Abaddon talks right there. Is it's, it's everything is so obvious and on the nose, and you are a bad man. So the bad thing is happening to you. This is what you get for being a bad man, even though I'm also a bad man. Right, and then and then you have they took off all of his clothes, but then they carried him out half naked, and you're like, wait, was it all of his clothes or was it half Which of his one? clothes? Which, Which one <laughs> was it? Yeah. By the way, can we talk about Oryk? Is that character that you mentioned that comes in that is? immaterial to the broader plot he tries to kind of play both sides he tells the ruler of Selink, the, the captain in charge of Selinka's defense the city that is about to be attacked by king apollyon and his sons hey i'll go to king apollyon and trick him into doing something but then he actually goes to king apollyon and tries to sell him on a way to get into the city or i guess king abaddon i forget which one he fucking talked to exactly the father <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I honestly don't even understand why they included this. Like, if they have invisibility hats, they don't need to hire anyone. Or, no, wait, I'm sorry. This was... Sorry, this was the evil guys trying to get him to... To get closer to the good king. And it's like... And, but then they later establish that King Abaddon can just, like, change his features or at least kind of look similar to someone else. Kind of like, um... If you've ever watched Game of Thrones, kind of like how Jock and Hagar can just, like change his face and i was like well if you could do that then why did you have to hire this fucking asshole to to go and trick them because they they basically had him like dress up like someone else and i was like this doesn't make any sense like this was yeah it literally is unnecessary because you already have characters who can change their appearance so king abaddon does get into the city that he basically steals rx look and goes back I guess because he understands that Auric was, like, playing double agent and would have access to the generals or King Astrodolus himself. Because he goes back as Auric, and that's how he gets close to King Astrodolus to have a fight with him. Somehow, right. Um, yeah, that's but annoying. He also, kills Auric's him. girlfriend, Flory, dies of a heart attack randomly when Abaddon, uh, King Abaddon reveals himself to her as not being really Auric. There's a lot of sudden heart attacks in this <laughs> yeah. book. Earlier, a water park guard has a heart attack when all the mermaids escape, and he's like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to tell King Apollyon I'd rather just die here. Yeah, people got to watch their, like, cholesterol in Maradonia. I don't <laughs> a lot know. of red meat eating, I guess. Yeah, they got some, like you said, there's, like, a heart disease problem running rampant in this fantasy world. Um, Maybe because some people's blood is, isn't is blood? Oh, right. I think King Ab... Well, maybe King Abaddon's supposed to be a demon? I think um, they are. Yeah, they they point out that when he gets stabbed, oily water comes out of his body instead of blood. Um, which because yeah, there's a know. duel happening at this point between King Abaddon and King Astrodolus. Right, and Astrodolus gets shanked in the shoulder and dies. Yes, 
Abaddon manages to stab him with a dagger in the shoulder, which doesn't sound like a fatal blow to me, but apparently it's, it's enough for King Astroduolos. Isn't he invulnerable, by the way? I thought, didn't he get, like, I... dunked in a river? Fucking fuck if I know. I don't know. Some there people got some, dunked in the river. I don't think there he was, was one There was magic of them, water last time, right? Yeah, but in the, last the king wasn't there. That was the army that got the dunks. The king wasn't in the army, so I don't think he got... Okay, well, I guess he's weak enough that a shoulder stab does him in, but he also manages to defeat Abaddon, kind of, by stabbing him in, in a spot. <laughs> then King Abaddon dies... <laughs> Kind of. This segues beautifully into my next favorite illustration that I'm that I need to post. Um, that you should definitely uh, take a look at. I just gotta find the fucking page. I wish I <laughs> written the page number down, but I saw my note about it and I remember. I remember it. Um, it must be I, when. Do you remember how Abaddon gets done in at the same time? Like he gets just stabbed as well, right? In a, in a uh, spot that's, that's bad to be stabbed in. I think so. And then a few chapters later, there's this weird exchange where, um, <laughs> actually, I think Chris, I think you put it best. Do you want to talk about how, uh, King, uh, Apollyon is like, hey, um, can I come back though and like get him? Is it fine? Okay, so yeah, King Abaddon is, um, he's defeated by King Astrodwallis, who dies from a shoulder wound. Everyone's upset and upset that King Astrodwallis died, and his son, General Ganarius, is going to take over in the meantime. Yada yada. Anyway, uh, they throw King Abaddon, the son of King Apollyon's body, over the walls of the city because they're worried it's all diseasey and plagued or something. And King Apollyon detects this or sees it, and he's like, oh no, I have to revive him in three days or else I can't, which is a thing now, I guess, for reasons. Yeah, that was never a part of any of the other... So he sends a letter to uh, General, uh, or now King Ganarius and Maya and Joey that's like, hey, you know, I just need to go get my son so I can bury him properly. Don't attack me when I walk up, please. And I'm like, why would you, like, send a minion? Like, King Apollyon himself walks up to the castle walls. Why wouldn't you just send a minion to do some shit and drag him back and you could do your ritual there? Because then Apollyon proceeds to do the magic ritual right there in front of the castle wall and everyone just lets him do it. I guess it's so gross because it's like a bunch of maggots and worms or something that are part of this revival ritual and there's a bunch of archers on the castle wall that all throw up at the same time according to the text oh i just i just liked your note that said yes mr evil king of all darkness i totally believe you'll just go away after we let you have your magical dead son back <laughs> yeah i don't um, understand why they let him do it too yeah it does not make any sense i guess because they want to ramp up the good guyness of the and good when you people see him book. start to do an evil ritual around his son maybe pre- stop it prevent it I don't know, throw some water on him? But, yeah, yeah, Get out right. of here. Stop but, it. Get out of here. <laughs> no revival rituals on this street. No necromancy. There's a posted sign right there. Between the hours of 8 and 6, Monday through Friday. It's Thursday at 3. No necromancy. <laughs> only, with the sanctioned for only Thursday necromancy. Yeah. You made all of our archers throw up. It's all over the castle walls. Someone has to clean that, King Apollyon. Yeah. And so the, there's an illustration of this very ritual, and so you have, uh, you know, the, the I don't know, two, two and three quarter day old dead body of Abaddon, and Apollyon's leaning over him, and I think he's supposed to be 
breathing life essence back into him. But instead, it just looks like the Sharon some spaghetti. And <laughs> they're going to do a Lady of the Tramp? Gonna yes. So my note was, please share the spaghetti with me. Um, my son, no. My beautiful, magical dead son. If I maybe, give you the spaghetti of life, yeah. we could be together again. Ooh, or maybe it's a, maybe it's a big, maybe it's flat, flat rice noodles. Ooh, what do you call those? Those are my favorite. Uh, chow fun. I, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe they're sharing right. some chow fun. I don't know. But, um... Yeah, just weird. Just a weird anyway, choice. Anyway, he, he revives King Abaddon, which is, I guess, the thing he could do all the time. And now, I that shouldn't they have known? About, I, I guess you want to keep that secret, right? But there, there's so many things in this book where there's a problem and it's solved, like, in the next chapter at the absolute latest. And it just renders any sort of sense of tension completely moot because you know it's going to be fine in, like, a page or two. There's no problem that persists through the story that you have to keep coming back to. It's just a series of new problems that get solved immediately. Yeah, and also, like, fairly easily and with, you know, your tools at hand. There's this whole, like, gunpowder sequence that I don't I don't know why it was in there other, other than the fact that it gave Jerry Tesh an opportunity to throw more German words in there. There's all this, you know, supposed mystique around the Schwartz pulver. It's like, yeah, we get it. It's black powder. It's fucking gunpowder. German isn't your secret language. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Um, and- anyway, someone has to go in and get blow up the gunpowder there before they can roll it up to the city and blow up the walls to get into the city. So Maya and Joey do the invisibility thing again, and they go in and they blow up the, the gunpowder, which was introduced in this very same chapter. <laughs> Yeah, and then there's there's like another level of to this that is further confusing because the uh you know the evil guys are magical and have control over the elements. They can command storms and earthquakes, so like why do you need gunpowder if you just they get created upset an earthquake? After, I, I, after the what? after the gunpowder is blown up, they're like, "Oh no, our plan to enter the city has been foiled. We're so mad about this, and we have to retreat." But before they retreat, they send storms and earthquakes that specifically the, in the text it says it levels a tenth of the city and the walls, which means you can go in, right? Yeah. So, so... what was the issue with the gunpowder, and why are you running away now? I know. I don't know um and then they describe when uh i don't I forget if it was apollyon it must have been apollyon right who was doing this i don't know if it was him or abaddon but uh they in the text it says he reads some kind of long poem that affects the weather and i was like it's a fucking spell you ass hats a long poem that affects the weather is a fucking spell jesus i'm sorry uh Parasit, you mean swing words oh fuck um, and then there's then there's this, uh, like a marriage between some lady queen lady Rucci because we have enough kings like all the guys can only be kings and generals but the women they get their titles stacked so she's queen lady not no longer lady yeah. or not just queen queen lady and she's just some random lady that king now king Janarius really liked he's like oh now I'll marry her and now that I'm king yep and that he's happens like, what was keeping you uh, what was keeping you before like what was the problem i don't know um you made a note that like wow joey thought unicorns were real in our world that's weird and i was like yeah yeah. he he mentions offhand when maya and joey are are reminiscing about rescuing the unicorns and wanting to go see them again he's like yeah you know i used to think that unicorns were extinct in our world 
But I guess they're they're not extinct here. It's like Joey, that's not it. It's that unicorns weren't at all in our world. But no, and I uh, um my note back to you was that that's actually um I'm not all Christians, of course, but some Christians believe that unicorns didn't make the ark, and unicorns did exist before the great flood, um and they just <laughs> they just didn't make it. They didn't make the cotton in the ark naturally. So um, they are I, they are that flavor of Christian, I guess. I, I suppose. Can I also return to the point that after Maya and Joey do all this rescuing and getting rid of the gunpowder, once again the entire city is just yelling Maya Joey. Oh, and at the and top touching. Oh, and they're just caressing those backpacks. Oh, they, like yeah. all of these magical backpacks that have all the stuff in here that they used to save us, like a flashlight and extra clothes. <laughs> yep. This camping gear is all Maradonia needed to be saved. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And I guess Joey's WMD stick, which he doesn't use. True. Why didn't he use that to blow up the gunpowder from afar? That's a great question, Chris. <laughs> Why did he have to jump in there? Why didn't he just shoot a laser? <laughs> King Apollyon <laughs> knew knows? you had it. It's not like you had to hide it. Yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah, and by the way, listeners, we're not jumping around. We are going in sequential order. Yes. In the <laughs> order is- of things that happen in this book. We took notes. We are going in order. We're not really missing anything. So just want to let you know, this is just how it unfolds. So, um, you know, on that on that note, suddenly there's a golden retriever named Phoenix that's in a farmhouse that they just take a break and retire to for but it's, it's a dog that they knew already. I don't remember this I'm... in the last book. Maybe this was an edit between the ebook and the print or oh, we just yeah. forgot. I, yeah. I feel like I wouldn't have forgotten about a puppy, though. Yeah, I was also confused. I was like, when did they get a golden retriever named Phoenix? And why are they taking, like, a honeymoon, basically? Because, like, Janarius and R- Lady Rucci get married and go on their honeymoon, even though there's a fucking war still? Like, there's still some pretty high tension between the Kingdom of Evil and Maradonia. So, like, why is everyone just just going on honeymoons and shit? And then Maya and Joey are like, yeah, we're going to take a break while you're on your honeymoon. We're going to go to the farmhouse and have grand old time. Pet unicorns and shit. Selinka, unleared. Uh, There's no head to this thing. Um, And and at some point, they start talking about how the the, the unicorns were just so important to King Astrodolus and to General Janarius. And I was like, wait a second. These sentient unicorns were so important but they weren't at the funeral or the coronation or the wedding of the new king. Also, they didn't really do it. Like, they just grazed the rest of yep, the book as yep. far as I know. I Maybe the unicorns were like, you know what? After we were imprisoned in that cave next door to hell, we just, we're done. We're done. <laughs> we're just going to go eat fucking grass. We're done. Apples, please. <laughs> please. So, yeah. So, I don't get why. Yeah, they're they're supposedly so important. And like I said, they're intelligent creatures. They're not... Like, they can communicate, and they have, like, a seemingly a society of some kind, but they're just excluded from all invitations to everything important. I don't, <laughs> like, why did you go through all that trouble of saving them if and saying how important and integral they were to the kingdom, but then they're not actually involved in anything? I don't know. Um, and then, of course, the dog gets poisoned to death in a few pages because... You see, there was an assassination attempt on on Maya and Joey by a rebellious faction within the Maradoni army led by a General Felipe. No, I think he was trying to kill Genaria specifically. 
Yeah, well, well it was, I think it was like Eddie, at that point, he was like, well, anyone who drinks it is fine because there was a whole secret blinking move he had with his co-conspirators. Oh, right, right. And and so anyway, uh, Maya and Joey know about this because guess what? They were wearing tarn caps next to General Felipe and his co-conspirators because he really fucking sucks at operational security. He's just blabbing about this shit out in the open next to like a carriage in the like next to the castle and everything. And it, it, talk about how his wife and this girlfriend to hers are plotting about this shit. They're the ones that poison everything. And Ginger, who is the friend to General Felipe's wife, Candace, is just blabbing about this shit to anyone who will listen. Anyway, Maya or Joey, I forget which one, turns invisible or overturns the cup of poison. And no one goes to clean it up and the dog drinks it. And Maya and Joey don't think to stop the dog from drinking it. So the dog dies from being poisoned. Because kids are fucking stupid, and I hate them for letting yeah. that happen. Yeah, um, and it's it's like, oh no, the dog died. We're burying him. This is so sad. Oh, never mind. Moving along. Like it's it's just a blip. Uh, they barely it barely registers. I mean, they're so. It says in the text like, oh, they're so sad and crying, but then like, there's no after impact. That's how That's every emotional saying, yeah. thing is dealt with in this in this book. Is that oh my god, something terrible happened, and now I am back to my baseline that I was before immediately after. Yeah. So anyway, while they're on their, I don't know, mini vacation, even though there's ostensibly still a war happening, um, they run into Hoppy the Grasshopper. um, (laughs) From the first book. From the first book. And um, I I think they just like, they literally just fucking run into him, right? It's next to the, the grill they almost died at. Oh, right. Where were they going? I think they were, oh, that's right. They were like, let's go, let's go see the mermaids. While we're on vacation. Like, I think let's... they're generally on their way out of Maradonia at this point. Yeah, even though I don't get why. Because there's still a war happening. Like, someone yeah, just tried it's... to kill the, the king, and you're like, peace out. Like, General Canarius <laughs> is like, oh, there's a, a, an assassination attempt against me. Also, these three ships with full of gold randomly sank, and that's like a really big stress and mystery for me. Um, I, I guess I'll see you guys later. Go ahead and go back to your world. By the way, remember what I said that a thousand years in Maradonia passes one day in your world, I guess it, well, I'll call you back for an assignment eventually, so don't stay longer than a day in your world, I guess is the assumption here. It yeah. makes absolutely no sense. Anyway, nope. back to Hoppy the Grasshopper. <laughs> yeah. Who now reveals his grasshopper family. He met a lady grasshopper that he had ten children with. Five boys and five girls, and he named all the boys Joey and all the girls Maya. Yeah, because grasshoppers are fucking stupid, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know, or if he was just trying to be funny, like, I don't know. But anyway, he also makes a note saying, yeah, you are both walking contagious disasters, but I named all my ten kids after you anyway. And all the same name. How do you call them to, like, grasshopper dinner? How do you specifically (laughs) scold one of the boys? Maya 1, Maya 2, (laughs) M2, M3, J4... I, that's what I can only assume. Maya's, you come over here right now, and Joey's, stand over there, okay? Maybe it's like... Pop away. Maybe they're like... Maybe it's like variations on a theme. It's like Joey, JoJo, Joseph, <laughs> uh, Josiah. I don't know. And it's like Maya, May... Jotholomew. <laughs> Jotholomew. Ma and mm, I don't know. Um. <laughs> Maya, May, Ma... Mm, and the one that they got tired of saying anything, so she's just no letters at all. Yeah, it's just no, silence. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, he notes that they are walking contagious disasters and basically insults them. But he's like, yeah, I named all my kids after you, though. It's like, what? Uh, so on there, so they they get back to the mermaids, and I have I have like a a digression oh. about bodies of water and topography. Oh, oh good. And, yeah, yeah. I'm a terrible book club for your topography chat. Um, all right, so so right at the right at the beginning of this episode, when I was talking about how I feel like this book wasn't written by Gloria and was in fact written more by her father because of uh, the kind of weird inverted syntax and problems with the language that are sort of indicative of a of someone who learned English as a second language or third language um part of that part of one of the things I mentioned was that um synonyms are used for words that are more like near synonyms like they don't it doesn't actually make sense to use them as synonyms but to someone who is um new to a language it might seem fine uh, and one of these things is um, bodies of water. So they often will call the same body of water all these different things. Um, and there's actually the, the the most common one in the book is referring to the the place where the mermaids live as Lake Lagoon. And they also refer to it as a fjord at one point. So I was like, you know, is it possible for a lagoon to be a lake? or for either of those to be a fjord, or for any of those to exist in an area with fruit trees and dolphins. Because they, so they use lagoon, lake, and fjord relatively interchangeably, mostly lagoon and lake. Um, And then there are dolphins and fruit tree, like coconuts and stuff. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. (laughs) A whole lot of different biomes happening here. All the exact, a swamp, a fresh body of water, a plateau of some kind. Also, there's tropical animals and <laughs> yeah. So I was I was having trouble keeping it straight, and I was like, all right, maybe maybe I'm the dumb one, right? So here's the thing: a lagoon and a lake are very distinctly different. Turns out, so lakes are large inland bodies of still water that are surrounded on all sides by land. Uh, they're fed by a moving body of water, like a stream or a river. Um, and lakes are much larger and deeper than ponds. So a lake is like an extra, extra large pond, basically. Uh, Big ponds. Yep. Lakes can be salt or fresh water. So again, to recap, it's inland. It's big. It's still water surrounded on all sides by land. A lagoon, on the other hand, only forms on coasts, so not inland. Um, They're shallow, so not not deep. And they have a a connection with the ocean. um, And they kind of like almost a butt like an ocean or a sea because they only form on coasts um and the connection to the ocean like the little uh i won't say inlet because i think that's a specific thing too but whatever the the part that connects to the ocean it has usually like a sandbank or a reef or something that separates it and they are specifically salty and brackish so like lagoons and lakes are two totally different so things a lagoon is like ocean runoff kind of yeah, ocean runoff, and it's right next to the ocean, so it's yeah. kind of like a little baby ocean. Um, it's still connected. I am this. Look, I am the ocean. This is my son lagoon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, that is a perfect way to think about it. So you know, it would make sense if mermaids lived in a lagoon because uh, you know mermaids are going out to the ocean. They're coming back to their home in the lagoon. That makes sense. But a lagoon and a lake cannot be the same thing. And I mermaids probably wouldn't live in a lake. So. At least, if we really want to get into, like, mermaids, obviously mermaids are fictional, but um, 
it would make sense given that they are typically written about as sea dwelling ocean dwelling creatures that they could have a lagoon as a home base since it's connected to the ocean and right on a coast but um yeah can't use lake and lagoon interchangeably Mm-mm. nope 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 uh kind of same with the fjord so you can't you can't really it's so uh a fjord and a lake are definitely not a fjord lake and lagoon are different so fjords are specifically the deal with fjords is that uh they are formed by a glacier cutting through an area and then that cut gets filled with seawater so they have very very steep sides they are long and narrow you know and you might be saying oh but it's filled with seawater you know it's it's near a coast like why isn't it a lagoon uh well it's because it's it's not shallow um, they can be pretty deep. They're long and narrow. They have steep sides, unlike a lagoon. And it's specifically because they are formed by a glacier. Uh, that's the whole deal with fjords. And so fjords also, like, because they're formed by glaciers, even though um, even though the topography of the world changes and, and climates change in certain areas, you they really don't, they don't exist in areas that are hot now because you would have had to have a pretty significant glacial period for fjords to form um for those glaciers to exist and then move and even though some places that are hot now were not so hot before uh it it just hasn't really worked out that there's a place now that's like a desert that used to have glaciers so um yeah so that's not it's not happening um and of course a fjord cannot be a lake they are just two totally different they're very far too different based on definition um, All right, well, that's your topography chat with Terrible Book Club. Tune in next week for a dissection of plateaus versus, I don't know. <laughs> hills versus mountains, Chris. Oh, yeah, hills versus mountains, right. I, um, I'm telling you, Paris, is no different. Okay, so so we've established that those three can't be used interchangeably. Fine. But, turns out, fruit trees, dolphins, and lakes can all technically coexist. Fruit trees, dolphins, and lagoons can all technically coexist. And fucking get this, fruit trees, dolphins, and fjords can all technically coexist. (laughs) What kind of fruit's growing near a fjord? Fucking apples and shit. All right. So, specifically at Hardangafjord in Norway, apparently in, like, May, June, so, like, late spring, early summer, fruit trees are in full bloom. Dolphins fucking stop by sometimes. And Hardangar Fjord, as so named, has some fjords. So, so apples and whatnot, but not coconuts. No, not tro- <laughs> so tropical. That's that's the bridge too far. Is the tropical fruit? Um, obviously, you can you can't have tropical fruit with a fjord because of the thing I just explained about the kind of the vast differences in those um, those biomes. But um, you yeah, you can have tropical fruit with a certainly a lagoon. There are tons of lagoons in tropical areas, um, and yeah, it's possible for there to be an inland lake in a warmer climate um so yeah we won't have to cover that in the next time we do all the times we were wrong episode. i'm gonna tell you that is literally why i bothered to do this so i was like <laughs> i don't want to fucking go back and deal with this in three years and so anyway um maya starts talking about like when they're when they get to the lagoon She's, like, talking about the history of fucking Coral Henge or whatever that they seem to have under there. There's, like, a a coral structure that I guess is, like, a worship center. I don't don't know. And she's talking about how she has all this knowledge about how she knows how the mermaids move the coral there and what it was, like, a ritual thing. And I was like, 
When the fuck did they have time to recite this history to her? I she wasn't with them for very long. I don't think maybe on that unicorn ride, and she's just like repeating it again to Joey, who was right next to her during that unicorn ride. So, um, then they they come to uh, they put their little air shells in again, so they can breathe underwater, uh, kind of like you know the Futurama shell thing we talked about, and in, in mm-hmm. the uh, all the times we were wrong episode. And there's like a. There's like a town, like the Nissan Waterfall. Yeah, so like Nissan. I immediately thought of like, come on down to Nissan Waterfalls for all your used coral and mermaid needs. Like I we, just we, couldn't. We got I, underwater breathing apparatuses. Yeah. We got underwater sex fruit over here because boy, are they fast. Wait, why did I write? I wrote, I have a note that says underwater sex fruit is my new indie band, but I don't remember. They, they're what given the some underwater fruit from the mermaids again. So there's this one mermaid, Morgana, that's taken sort of a shine to Joey. Oh, God, that's creepy. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. So and she like gives him special fruit of like wisdom and I think like power or something. So maybe you took that as like a virility fruit or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know Since what? she was like making eyes at him the whole time. Underwater sex fruit. Uh... This is also I, I want to talk about the next thing that happened. Like when they're with the mermaids, some... I guess mermaid hunters or like mermaid town no, pillagers. No, no. You, you forgot to talk about how creepy Morgana was. Oh, does that happen before this or after this? I no, thought it happened it's, after this. No, it's so. Or maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it is after. It, Whatever. Well, okay, so aside from <laughs> Morgana has a moment with Joey because they get alone together at like a, a shoreline or something. And Morgana is, like, making eyes and declaring her love to Joey here, who is clearly a 14-year-old. And I don't think Morgana is put cast as that young, right? She's like a fully grown mermaid or something. There is a specific line that says, wait a minute, Morgana, he is not a man. He's still a boy. He's only 14. And she says, who cares? Yeah. I see him as a man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. So she decides to give him a gift of a tiger tooth necklace. How did the fucking mermaid get that? Chris, is it's a, ti- a tiger shark tooth. Tiger oh, shark. Okay. I, you I missed guess. the word shark. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was just tiger in there. Okay. So, one point for you, Gloria. And I'm sorry about that. But anyway, Joey acts as like, oh my god, this is the coolest gift I've ever gotten. It's a tiger shark tooth necklace. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you might be thinking, okay, a tiger shark is in the ocean. Sure. Way more feasible than, like, a mermaid having a tiger tooth. But... You're like, it's a mermaid. How are they going to fight a tiger shark? Oh, let me tell you about these mermaids. (laughs) These mermaids are just murder maids. Like, Mermaider just plays in the background during this whole section. Um, Yeah, come to find out, these mermaids that you thought were, oh, these poor mermaids need to be protected and helped and who are kidnapped. Oh, and they're so lovely and nice to Maya and Joey. Uh, it turns out if you sail a boat near their lagoon, they just murder your entire crew and destroy your boat. All of them. Everyone. Without a second thought, without checking, without seeing who's on the boat. Nope. Just annihilation. They're like, we got to protect the borders. And Maya and Joey are like, wow, that's sad. All those people probably have families that they're trying to feed by getting whatever valuables here. That sucks that they died. Well, moving on. Yep. Yeah, there's only there's a very small moment where Gloria's like, I don't know, but then it just quit. They just gets brushed aside, just like when the forest got set on fire, and you know, it's whatever. Joey's um, riding high on like tiger tooth gifts, or I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then so they discover that the mermaids are actually just basically a group of fucking underwater pirates or some shit. Not even because they don't even steal anything; they just murder people mercilessly. It, yeah, 
There's murder hobos under the sea. <laughs> uh, um, so, um, the, then they somehow this. Oh, that's right. They they're talking. They're like, oh, well, do you know anything? Something like, oh, do you know anything about those ships of gold that went to Ophir that never came back or whatever? And they're talking about it. Um, and they're like, yeah, they they were three ships and they each had four hundred and fifty talents of gold. And I was like. Who's using the talent as a form of measurement, first of all? How many, hey, Chris, how many is. cubits tall are you? Like, like, I, like who, just, I don't know, like six or uh, seven? No, a cubit is the length from your fingertip to your elbow, so I hope you're not that tall. That's pretty tall. Um, but, yeah, just, are, just throw in archaic... tall people. Uh, whatever. Just archaic forms of measurement. So I'm like, you What know is what? a talent, though? Yeah, so so I looked it up, and I did the math. And, I mean, it's kind of hard because much like the cubit is is uh, flex... Or fluctuate... The, cu- the length of a cubit fluctuates based on, obviously, your own anatomy, right? Because not everyone's hands and arms are the same length. Um, it seems like, even though talents are not related to a, um, an appendage... It seems like different groups of people at different times had slightly different weights for exactly what a single talent was. So, like, I just I just used the most common one to come up with this. So, apparently, 450 talents of gold times three in today's money would equal almost $2 billion. So, $1,890,157,369.50. And, like, I guess that's why the king is so stressed about losing all that gold. Yeah, $2 billion. Because, yeah, at first I was like, whatever, you're a king. What? How much could that be? And then I was like, oh, that's like $2 billion. <laughs> Shit, yeah. I would be stressed about that, too. And he, and he still lets Maya and Joey go. He's like, hey, yeah, go home for a thousand years or whatever. I'm sure I'll send you. I'll send for an assignment for you guys soon again. Um. Yeah, I made a note, like, what exactly were the seven fucking bridges anyway? I still don't know that we could actually sit here and tell you what the seven trials were. Obviously, they weren't really... Br- I think one of them was an actual bridge. Is that right? Yeah, one of them was yeah. an actual bridge. There was also, like, some deception happening from that snake. Um, and, like, there was two other, like, tricky animals that they encountered or something, also, I'm pretty are, sure. Were you just, were you just like, uh, um, kind of filling in the 1,000 years as a day in your world? Or is that really in the text? Because I that, know that... That happened somewhere. I remember that so clearly. I, it might be, honestly, it might have come up again in the next book because once again I, I've read The Gold of Ophir already and let me tell you Paris you thought this episode was a ride welcome the fuck up for the oh, next episode oh, I'm gonna tell you right now I'll probably I mean sorry for the repetition I'm probably gonna mention this in the next episode but I briefly looked at Chris's notes and it, it doesn't look like he's taking notes on a book it looks like he's uh, taking notes on a dream that he had like that, that's how like just I took outlandish a bunch of DMT and just started writing <laughs> outlandish and disconnected things that I can't imagine so, like, being in the same work for this one we read about 380 pages or so of material and our notes are like three pages long um, I already hit like three and a half to four pages just in my read of the next book, and Paris hasn't even begun to add her notes yet. <laughs> oh boy! So buckle in for like out of a five-hour episode of terrible book. <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure out. I- I'm checking Oracle Frog section. The or no, okay. So the Oracle Frog, he just summarizes the ideas for the next few books. I think. I have to reread that part again after re- after having read the next book. I think he covers like that book in his the first third of his 
vision rant that he's having. By the way, there's an oracle future-seeing frog in a forest named Oraculus. <laughs> yeah. In case you remember, remember what the fuck I'm talking about. I remember him from the first book. Um, and they, yeah, they just hit that on the, their way out back to the regular world out of Maradonia. They hit the, the frog and he's like, yeah, you're going to have to come back here eventually. Here's things that you're going to have to deal with. I think he says, oh, no, a bunch of times. Yeah, oh, I can I can just read you the uh, the nine windows. Actually, yeah, just read us the prophecy to see if we can <laughs> oh, give everyone boy. a preview. Give everyone it, a preview of what's going to happen next. Uh, it it kind of goes on for fucking ever. Um, just read, like, the first bit. I'll uh, cut you off when I think we've reached the end of the okay. next book. Hmm. Welcome to the coastlands again, Princess Maya and Prince Joey. I have not seen you for many, many years, and I was not sure that I would see you again because time is a valuable asset. What? <laughs> what? Many, many of us here in the swamp ran out of time since you have been here. I know that you have conquered the tests. You passed the seven bridges. King Astrodolus and his successor, King Genarius, made you prince and princess of Maradonia. I have seen you in the spirit bathing in the pool of blood. Now you are not only royal, but you are also blood bond members of the king's household. You are untouchable by the powers of darkness, and you are equipped with supernatural gifts. Magic Master Joey carries even the key to the underworld because he has conquered the underworld. I know that you were very successful, and we have heard the news of your success over the many, many years even here in the swamp. You are royalties in the land of Maradonia, and I hold you in honor. It is a privilege to see and to greet the encouragers. The prophecy okay. is fulfilled! Can we take a break where you skip to the actual prophecy yep, and I talk yep, about yep. how, I'm like, gonna, every... Yeah. Every couple chapters, everyone has to, like, re-summarize what has happened in, like, the past couple chapters. So you always have these, like, paragraphs about, like, and then you did this, and I heard about it, and it was great. And then you, I heard you also did this thing, and it was cool. Or, like, what my or Joey physically summarizing it to someone in there. Sorry to cut you off, but I wanted you no, to get no, to the no, actual No, 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 this is fine. Um, <clears throat> Nine pictures I see. Four pictures I can see very clearly. Four other pictures are buried under silky fog, but I see people. I guess fuck that last ninth picture. That's only yeah, eight. Uh, four I, see, eight. I see your assignments in a time frame of one time and two times and a half time. What? I need to read this whole passage. Your first assignment has successfully passed, but now I see teenagers. They're teasing you. I see Joey angry. He disappears in the air. I see water, ships, a light tower. The light goes on and off. Gold in the depth of the waters, many people die. I see other ships with lots of silver, horses, and cattle. I see two murderers sitting in a bar. The name of the bar is... I see the sign... Spelunka. I see <laughs> several groups of killers on horses. Fishermen, divers. I see both of you on a ship in the storm. On land, the bite, a green snake. I see a campfire. Intrigues, thieves conspiracy i see a black animal like a turtle giants the sword of the titans ravens many ravens i see a combination between ravens and hawks the air is filled with these strange keep going keep going I... keep going by the way can i say that half of this stuff happens in the next book and half of it doesn't the air is filled with these strange birds rockins new aside sorry that's what killed me New assignments are coming up in your life. I see you disappearing at the horizon. The seven festivals. The death of the mother with two children. A gold crown. Dominatio. The three wise men. The river valley of Mara. The city of the hovering spirits. Seven other big cities. Raganda, the new city of pleasure. I see the <laughs> <laughs> kingdom. 
<laughs> the dynasty of Gorgonia, Brunhilda and Krimhilda, two daughters of the king, festivals and different parties, the new queen, Poison, Joey, King of Two Kingdoms, King Pergamon, Fire Dragons, Abaddon, Pluton. I see the second death of Abaddon. Vulture's eating his liver daily. I see. I see Pluton rising up. I see Apollyon and the fairies, and I see a battle of gigantic armies fighting for the key of the underworld. And you know what Joey asks after that fucking huge thing? He goes, what do you see about the kids in our normal lives? (laughs) <laughs> I just told you like all your fucking destiny and the magical shit that's gonna happen to you and you wanna hear about what people are doing in the high school yeah the, the they're going through puberty school. Joey they're jerking off playing video games Jesus Christ <laughs> yeah I don't I, there's nothing here about how long the time difference is well cause he's talking about how like they're in the swamp and he's like oh all these frogs have died like you've been gone no, for years Paris, and I'm he like, says it's, it's a one time a two time and a half time right so that's your answer <laughs> fuck by the way, so yeah, that's kind of ha- half of that stuff happens, half of that stuff doesn't happen. Oh, there's more of his rant later on. Oh, that's a preview of, of what what you might get next time. Great. Oh, and then they leave the, the Oracle uh, Frog. Yeah. <laughs> um, trying to see if there's anything here about the. Yeah, I don't think there's anything here about exactly the time differential. All right, I will accept uh, that I could possibly be wrong about that. I mean. Yeah, because it wouldn't make any sense. Because like, if, although he was, well, he was just saying how so many people have, like, all the frogs, so many frogs have died because they've been gone for many, many years. So I'm like, wait, so is the swamp where Araculus is like a midway point with like a different sense of time? I guess that could make I some sense. I don't think so. I don't mm. think so. But who the fuck knows, Paris? Anyway, Maya and Joey get home. Like, they go through the cave again. There's a little bit of a thing where they have to figure their way through it. But guess what? Joey just magically knows the way. Not even a problem. Yep. Um, They've only been gone for, like, a few hours in regular days. It's a couple days because their parents are worried. And they asked the cops to start looking for them. Oh, sorry. It says they left on Friday morning and it is already Saturday night. They're gone for a day and a half. Yeah. So then they can officially get the cops on it. The, the, The parents are... Looking, they went to the bedrooms. They're still not there. The cops are on the scene. Oh my and... god, you're right. We are one day later here. They told us that one day is like one thousand years in the land of Maradonia, and Thank one thousand years is like one day in our world. Thank you, Paris. By the way, so it they've been gone work. for fifteen hundred years. No, they, they, no, 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 no. They it, were no. in Maradonia for fifteen hundred years. I, I guess. <laughs> what? But no, because no. That's how time works. Like, yeah, listen, spoiler alert, it doesn't work that way in the next book either, so it really isn't that way. I was just I was just upset because people kept saying that, and that's not at all how it works. Yeah, wait, so they've only been gone for a day and a half, so let, we're talking 36 hours, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe a little more, maybe 40 hours or something. And they, so that's, yeah, so they've only been gone one day in this world, but if it works like they're saying, that means that they would have been in Maradonia for 1,500 years. They should have, like, come back to, like, 15 minutes later in their world Right, or right. So, clearly that's not the case. I mean, unless... <sighs> it doesn't work the other way going back, either, Paris. No. Spoiler alert. They go back to Madroni in the next book, and it's it's, it's super unclear. I, it might be 10 years. It might be 20 years. Yeah, because, yeah, right. So, it's like, the reverse of that is that if they go, if they go back... After any point in time in our world, it's going to be hundreds or thousands of years later. 
No one's going to fuck, like... You'll see how it turns out when I give oh, you this next book, Paris. God. It doesn't make sense and it's not consistent. I'm glad that I'm glad that you made that note and I looked into it though because I was like that doesn't make but yeah why why would I think anything made sense in this book <laughs> you're trying to find the logic desperately uh... speaking of logic the cops have some good logic because Maya and Joey use their tarn caps to basically hop back into bed and then like they they make a noise or something or oh no it's uh, they hop back into bed uh, the parents make the report to the police and they head out. The police head outside for a bit. Then the mom goes back to the bedrooms to check, I guess, one more time and finds Maya and Joey nestled in the sheets and she makes, she screams out loud. So the cops storm the house with their guns drawn. <laughs> yep, because that's what you do when you're looking for missing teenagers. These fucking cops just, at any moment, they're ready to draw the gun here. Yeah, I mean, it's Florida, right? So. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, they literally, like, they, it's like they pull out their guns and they storm the house. Looking for, I don't know, the source of the scream. It... Yeah, and, and my last note is <clears throat> um, they come back and their parents are like, or the mom remarks that their clothing is full of holes and degraded and their shoes are torn apart. And she's like, oh, how'd that happen? They were only gone a day. And I was like, but like in Maradonia, if they were there for months or years or whatever, they were celebrities and then royalty. Why would they st- still be wearing their like t-shirts and sneakers because they're special clothes i guess because that's you know they're different so that's how people know they're different also yeah. both the parents ha- like have a lot to say about they're wearing their tennis shoes to bed even the cop like pipes up about it he's like oh tennis shoes in the bed <laughs> what's wrong with these kids yeah i i, I am very but that's confused. like how the book ends it's like all oh, these kids got their tennis shoes in the bed the end like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's really strange. I'm not sure what the deal is there. Um, Those silly kids with their shoes in the bed. I, yeah, I'm the- just confused about that. Because there's, there's no way to fucking, you know, your fucking converse are going to make it through a battle. Like, I just... <laughs> so, I mean, if they've been there doing all this shit for a while, like, I just, I don't know. I don't get it. Well, that closes this book, Paris. Unless you have anything more to say about our this particular dip back into the land of Maradonia. This was a preview. Let me assure you, Paris. This Ugh. is just getting your feet wet again. I can't wait. I'm so excited. This, this is it. This is us wetting our listeners' appetites again for more Maradonia stuff here. You know what? Or- I think I think I'm just gonna pick a random note and read it from the next one. Sure. You know, do three in a row because all right, all it right. won't just, help. I'm just gonna. All right, just whoop. Um, well, you'll hear about this again in the next episode, I'm sure. But <laughs> just, just hit me with a random couple. Uh, let's see. Fuck you, mom. You're a slut. Also, my friends are coming over to do occult shit. <laughs> <laughs> what? I remember the all context right. there. Um. Uh, why is some guy just drooling as if he's constantly in a stupor? Question mark, question mark, question mark. I I forget Um, the context of that one. (laughs) Captain Henry, no, she's 16. Yep. (laughs) Get ready for some shit there. That's what awaits us next time. Um, Yeah, so uh, thanks, Bobby. Hopefully this was uh, a fun time for you. I don't know. I I always feel like, uh, I don't know how to feel about this, but hopefully it was enjoyable for you. Um. Thanks to our Patreon supporters, so thank you to Dari, Greg, Will, Veronica, D, Jared, Lynn, Sina, Jakob, Torben, Bobby Blackcat, Jancina, and Ayame. Thank you all. 
for making Terrible Book Club possible each and every week. Uh, if you, too, want to support the show like those fine folks, um, you can head over to our Patreon. So it's patreon.com slash join slash Terrible Book Club. There's a link on our website. Um, at the $5 a month level or higher, you can enjoy special video segments called Terriblo's Torture, uh, where we do kind of like a scenes from a hat sort of thing with uh, book concepts. Uh, we also have audio of Chris and I watching movies or TV show companions to books we've read on the podcast. Sometimes we do other stuff, though. Um, like right now, we're watching the OA, uh, that Netflix series. So, you know, if if you want more of us talking um if you if you want to like watch something and feel like we're watching it with you that audio is there you can do that um this month we're gonna be uploading some maradonia themed content specifically in honor of july being the month of maradonia um and if you can't contribute to the patreon or, or don't want to you know your dollars are precious we get it you can always share the show on social media um you can write a review or you can tell your friends and family to give it a listen Lastly, you can also help generate passive income for the show by listening to us on the Radio Public app. So instead of just like clicking on our link on our website or listening at iTunes, um, if you listen specifically through the Radio Public app, we get two cents for every play. And if you listen to three episodes in a row, we get a dollar bonus. So um, well, it's it's cool if you can do it. If not, also fine. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't... Do we have any other announcements? Um, oh, actually, um, there were a couple of patrons who never gave us their address um so we couldn't send them bookmarks so please give us your address if you didn't um but most of you i think i sent out i sent out 10 sets of bookmarks so most of you got them um if you too would like a terrible book club bookmark you can go ahead and join that patreon all right paris well i'm actually excited for the next episode where we tackle gold of fear because i'm i don't think there's anyone else that has put uh, analysis or reading of it on the internet so I'm, you know, who knows how many people in the world have even read this next book? I, we might be in an elite club after this one. <laughs> yes, very, Some exclusive very elite. Terrible book club content here, where we <laughs> um, dig into the next book in the Baradonia series. No, I'm, I'm also more excited for the second one. This one was just kind of like a, we had to do it because it was technically, you know, it's the second book. We want to go in order. Um, but the next book just seems so totally unrelated to this one that i'm i'm pretty excited to read it it seems like a totally totally new new game all right well i guess we'll see you next time paris yeah um see y'all next time uh for the next installment in the month of maradonia all right bye paris bye paris <laughs>